Hey everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Optsite podcast, where we chat all things construction and technology. My name's Carlos, and I spend most of my days talking to construction teams about how they deliver projects. And I'm Jason, and I help build software that construction teams use to deliver their projects. So today, we thought we'd recap an event we were at last week, which was the Future Construction event in Melbourne. Big shame we couldn't actually do this in person. He <laughs> shot the jet lag would have just killed me during it, uh, so it probably worth the wait. It was nice of you to to make the trek over to this side of the world, Carlos, from the UK. Uh, it was a shame that you had to do it for about about four to five days uh, before before flying back. Uh, what time yeah. zone are you on right now? Uh, yeah, back in the UK now, so uh, back in my normal space. That was and good to see that. Um, sorry, and your sleep pattern? Uh, yeah, adjusted back to normal. Okay. Um, good. But no, it's good to see that um, all those customers you talk about are actually real over there. So that's nice. <laughs> right. So the event itself, it's a couple of days. Um, just to give you a bit of uh, context, it's most of the major contractors in Australia and sort of, I think, 30 or 40 vendors. So there's a, there's a combination of talks and then exhibition space so that the obviously senior individuals from these companies can talk to the vendors working in the space. Now. There was a big focus on sustainability, if I think back through some of those talks over the two days, as expected. But it was the typical frustration I found, which was lots of people talking about how important it is and how are these targets that they're trying to hit and may not hit, but no one was actually talking about how they're going to do it. There's always that lack of information about the doing side of things. So actually thinking about the vendors that were in the space, um, I thought I'd see what was actually going to help organizations achieve that, those targets. Now, the, by far, sort of a standout one for me was a company called Ampt. And they are, I believe they're based in Singapore. And uh, I'll try and explain their product to you. It's pretty cool. So if you imagine a shipping container, probably a third or half size, they've turned those into effectively mobile battery units. So uh, a much smaller version of the Elon Musk style uh, units that they've started shipping out. But um, ultimately, if you've got diesel generators on site, um, not only is it noisy, it requires maintenance, refueling, but there's hardcore fumes. It's running off diesel, which is obviously pumping out CO2 emissions. So it's something we want to avoid. So this mobile battery unit is lifted into site. Everything hooks up and uses electricity, which they source from sustainable sources um so pretty good idea have you seen anything like that so far that no, was I, news I, to I, me i i had never um obviously yeah in construction it seems as though like generators are the lifeblood of of most projects and i think on the on the curve of uh efficient or sustainable production of energy diesel generators are probably somewhere right down the, the bottom um obviously uh, if we think back to, to most sites, we're, we're talking about thousands of liters of fuel normally going into generators, you know, per week or per month or whatever, depending on the size of the, the project. That battery obviously runs out. Uh, what happens when the battery runs out? So I saw a pretty brief video online, which looks like there were a bunch of these mega blocks inside. I'm making an assumption here based on the video. It looks like, you know, um, if you jump on a line bike, they've got the battery packs that they just whip off and stick on the next. I think you can just replace the batteries and you're constantly sort of charging those packs up. So it's never, it's not one battery that just dies and you're recharging it. It's a series of like what looks like 50, 100 batteries 
that are sort of kicking in when needed and then you recharging the ones that are done. Do you reckon you recharge them or there's like a service provider that does it and comes and swaps it out and all that caper? That's a good question. Uh, I'd love to think it was the latter. It makes a lot more sense and it's not then a ball ache for the site to then be managing a set of batteries. I can imagine. <laughs> I'm just imagining the guy that's riding to site on a Lime scooter with like 15 uh, batteries stacked on top of it just to, get, yeah. to get there and replace the, to replace the batteries. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... Yeah, that would be shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it looks cool. They're also, um, there's something like 5 million revenue. So it's obviously got some traction starting in Singapore and, and, and look like they're operational in Australia. So I'd imagine another massive benefit in Australia is it's a mobile battery unit. And I can't imagine where some of these jobs are, there's even a grid to tap into because they're pretty remote, right? Especially things like mining. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Now... I'm going to say it ended there with decent looking vendors trying to tackle the sustainability space. And I'll try not to rant here, but there were a couple in the environmental side, SiteHive and something called UB or UB is UBY, bit of a shit name. Um, and they were all about sort of monitoring tell noise. What, tell us what you really think. <laughs> they were all about monitoring noise and dust and the usual sort of things. So they're not really tackling the sustainability sort of side of things, even though they reference it in the sort of Epcon content. So yeah, not really in that space. This, we then this, have this, excuse my ignorance, but like if, if a project is, if a project's monitoring like noise emission or other emissions in the way that you would class, like that company uh, would help them with, does that not contribute towards like a more sustainable like, is that not also sustainability because it's contributing to 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 uh, less of a drain on the the planet generally? This might be an exceptionally dumb question. So, yeah, yeah it, it's one of those things where people typically group these things into one bucket. So it's not like uh, this obvious split that people think about when they think about these types of products. They're normally in the same department or group of people or the same targets. Um, I had the exact same thought myself, so I did double check the definition of of what it, it should mean. So from a sustainability point of view, it's the avoidance of the depletion of natural resources in order to maintain ecological, ecological balance. So that is about obviously reducing carbon, taking less out of the ground, less waste. So noise and that's dust the, is- That's the kind of facts you can get on this podcast. That's yeah, a Webster's yeah. Dictionary <laughs> quotation. We should have had a special guest just from the dictionary company to tell us what the meaning was. <laughs> so yeah, kind of a different bucket. Nothing groundbreaking. Site Hive seemed to be the bigger one in that space, um, it seems, uh, from some sort of loose content. Outside what of would that, you, what would you yeah. expect to see uh, if, like, you know, if I'm picking up what you're putting down, the point is that um, that there there were a couple of vendors uh, assisting projects be aware of and, and comply with their environmental requirements, yep, um, or obligations, but. Uh, maybe a lack of those assisting them drive more sustainable uh, construction and, and, and a more sustainable industry. What type of things would you expect to see? Yeah, so I think the, the, the big ones that were sort of jumped out to me were uh, materials. So there's there's lots of stuff going on with low carbon concrete, low carbon like steel, different methods of producing these materials and getting them to site. None of that was apparent um, to me at the event. 
And that seems like the easier, quicker wins that someone in a contractor can think, oh shit, we just need to switch material vendors and we can already tackle loads of these things rather than massively shifting how we actually deliver projects. Um, yeah, which is interesting, one... actually, just to pick up on that point, like, um, Langer, obviously, this was a, an event jointly hosted with the the sort of industry body, the ACA, uh, yeah. uh, Langer Rock were a big presence there. And Langer Rock recently announced that they were swapping across, I think, all projects in the world, they were swapping to low carbon concrete on, I think, on all their projects. Okay. Oh, um, nice. And so, and, and I don't think that came up. Not not in any of the conversations that I that I went to. This may be totally incorrect, yeah. and I need to fact check it. But I'm, I swear I saw this recently. Yeah, obviously we didn't get to see it for talks. So it could have been mentioned, and we weren't there at the time. But it wasn't apparent in any content or material that we obviously saw. So yeah, generally my takeaway is there is a massive gap between the drive and ambition from the leaders on stage and the vendors in the room. So I'd like to think that next year there would be more companies potentially over from this side of um, this side of the world moving over there to help support this transition to more sustainable construction. Jason. Well, I guess um, it's my takeaway or the key trend that I saw watching the vendors at the event, listening to what people were talking about uh, on stage, but also the conversations happening on like around the event is, is back around like the classic topic of AI. Um, at this event compared to previous, there seemed to be a higher proportion of AI branded or named um, companies. Um, and they all seem to be in this space of, I don't know if you call it pure AI, but like this like AI insight type model, whether it be AI for cost or for schedule or for whatever part of the, the data set they're trying to run analysis on but kind of like summarization of some data set in construction. But in talking to most of the contractors um, at the event, I got the sense that everyone was very intrigued by it. AI has always been something that everyone talks about at these events as the sexy, cool thing, but very few of them seem to be using it or knowing someone or knowing a, another company using it. In the contractor space, client side, it's, it seems to be substantively different. And so it got me like thinking, what is like, why is that? If people are so intrigued, yeah, why why is it that there isn't like a, a, a more clear adoption uh, uh, across contractors? And so I started thinking through the like classic reasons that you might think, you know, is it the construction slow to change, et cetera, et cetera. And so over the, that event, and we, we had a couple of different meetings around the event, and I've been talking to people since, and there's like, there seem to be some, some common themes, right? First thing I, I, I took away was like, yeah, people are definitely intrigued. People are asking about it. People are asking me about it. You know, does this work? Have you seen people use it? Are other contractors using it? You know, we don't, our product is an AI, but they, out of interest, um, they ask. People seem to be generally skeptical of their data so the common question or the common conversation goes um something like um you know ai can crunch the data take schedule data for example sure we could see where things change but like our schedule data isn't hasn't got the cause in it it's like a it's a manipulated version of the output 
the causes are really something that happened in design, something that happened on a site record. That's where the causal data is. And this is sort of just a record. And, and, and people often think of their data as kind of shit that is, I kind of call it like intentionally ambiguous uh, when they report. I think people in construction are generally aware of shit in, shit out. Yeah. And, and have that view um, of their data. You mentioned they're, they're conscious of, of data. Um, one of the talks on stage, one of the, he was like the CTO or the CIO of one of the big contractors. He said, and they were, they were talking about ChatGPT for, for a minute and he went, but yeah, like it's, it's interesting what the output is, but there will be no one in our company putting any data into a model that's processing that over in the States. So they're very conscious of their data for sure. Um, do you think part of it is you might have these interested individuals as we always do in these companies, but there's no drive or sort of initiatives from senior levels of the, of the companies actually incorporate it into targets or, um, well, that, yeah, that's the thing. So like, I think the people that are interested have, um, have an interest and a skepticism that their data has the like obvious insight if they could crunch it like if the if the data was like um all the delays or something then people could kind of mentally connect off if we went across this we could get uh insight and so part of the problem then becomes those like let's call them champions if they want to push that internally they've got to sort of pitch this internally and put some reputation on the line to say we should try and do this and if you combine that with the skepticism of the, their data, they're kind of on the fence as to whether they get an output that's, that's usable. Um, and I think one of the things that we talk about in like software design all the time is um, around time to value. So we try like in, at Apex, we try super hard to deliver value in these like clear stages. So like a certain amount of value in a first minute next amount of value in the first 10 minutes get to these aha moments where people go okay i see how this makes sense and keep going one of the problems that exists in with ai is maybe it's not time to value but it's like effort to value they need to convince people internally uh are we comfortable giving over this data uh what are the like agreements in place if we don't purchase and use this over long term we've got to collect all this data we've got to like then decide if i even gave this over and we got some insight. How do we actually incorporate that into our business? So there's like a yeah. whole bunch well, of like even hurdles. Trust the output on the CEO, yeah. The so there's like, there's just, there's just a huge amount of hurdles to get over before you get any of the value. And so it's, there's people really interested, but it's a massive lift for them to go from that interest to even the like smallest pilot feels like a, a big lift because of like you said, the, the, the view that we're not giving anyone our data uh, internally. So, and it's really hard without that to show an aha moment or like, here's something that gives you the, okay, if we kept going down this path, we get this output. And yeah, I, I watched and listened to, and it was part of a range of conversations between different vendors and different contractors and contractors and contractors talking about it. And they all kind of want to try but um, everyone's kind of hitting the same thing, which is like, well, yeah, we've got a lot of people to convince internally. Yeah. Everyone has a lot of the similar con um, concerns. I think yeah. they also say that the trying aspects, we were obviously at dinner with a vendor, which we won't name, and 
I think you asked the question, why don't you have a free version or a trial or something that people can just have a play with and see the output? And they seem very cautious about letting anyone do that. And I wonder if, A, it's the amount of effort you actually need to put in to get to some sort of actionable results, or B, how actionable is the result? Like, uh, don't know. Yeah, and I, schedule, and I, I, like, this is your pain point. It's like, well, what the hell do we do with that? To add in some float. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, 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 and I don't want to speculate because I, because I don't know. But um, the the stuff that I, what I do know is it is a lift. Like it's a, it is an amount of work to do to get to like the first nugget of value, and um, and that makes it hard. That makes it hard. Even yeah, there's a lot of like um, institutional inertia that pushes against something that is kind of like a top down. De- deployment or sale because you've got to get through this like we're giving away something that we might not get any value for so i guess my takeaway was um that there's like a lot of interest and it, it does feel like business model or go-to-market innovation from these ai companies is like needed there is an avenue that i can think of which is if they can get enough of the clients measuring contractors tenders with this tool contractors will start to adopt you know to know what the output is on their tender that's one one avenue you'd like to but, assume they give the same output both times as run right <laughs> well if it's a probabilistic model the problem the answer is no like you put in you put in chat gtpt the same question two hours apart you're getting different answers yeah the takeaway is that like either there's the like client path or there has to be some way from a business model perspective for these companies to try and get value at a lower level at a small level. Um, so people can use that to show internally, this is what we could get. Even if it's not their data, like there's gotta be a way to show it. Uh, otherwise it's just this like, a I don't know, Mexican standoff of who's going to do, you know, who's going first with the contractors. Yeah. And until we see some serious like case studies or results from directly from using these types of services, which I haven't seen yet, uh, it's all very um, theoretical to an extent. Yep. Yeah, it must make it hard to actually adopt it, put actual cash into it and exposure data. So it's a difficult spot to be. Awesome. So we're going to have to try and wrap up fairly soon. We've, uh, we've been talking for some time now. So Carlos, uh, after making the trek out to Australia for FCON last week, what was your key takeaway? If I go to any event in the UK, there are shitloads of decent startups fighting in each space. In Australia, there seems to be this huge drive and passion from senior leaders up on stage, but there was an underwhelming amount of vendors actually supporting this change. You could count on one hand the ones that really got you exciting. So for me and you, that's obviously super exciting uh, to work in a space with this volume of mega projects that we see in Australia, but they really need a lot more to be able to actually deliver this change. What's your key sort of takeaway? Yeah, for me, the key takeaway from FCON this year was a clear difference in the way that um, the larger contractors and the people speaking on behalf of those larger contractors were talking. I guess in previous years or at other events, you know, when we started out, Carlos, there were a lot of people talking about the promise of different technologies, um, pitching the ideas of artificial intelligence and big data and this software and that software. Uh, a lot felt like a hypothetical conversation about what it could do. The conversations from a lot of the leaders this year were talking about how best to deploy 
a type of uh, software, what the typical pain points that they see in the business, how, uh, when they go through a pilot and get a great outcome, how to move the organization more quickly to moving everything over to that approach and not leaving the legacy stuff behind. Conversations that really show that these are people that are actively doing the uh, adoption of technology, not the people sort of, uh, pontificating about what it could do uh, in the future. And that was a, you know, after doing that for a number of years, this that's quite a substantial change that I felt being in the room. Uh, and it was, yeah, refreshing to see. Hopefully they keep up that rate. And uh, yeah, we'll see serious improvement over the next couple of years. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Jason. Um, that's all we have time for today. So as always, thank you very much for listening.